Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome back to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Chris Vines. What's going on, Dad? Good to see you, or good to hear you, be with you. Yeah. We see each other, but they don't see us, and that's intentional. As yeah, I've shared many a time, I have a face for radio, and so that's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably a good thing they don't see us. They don't They don't need to see our faces. No, no. Well, we are here back with you guys just talking about student ministry, and that's what this podcast is all about. We've talked about a lot of things over the years. Um, we've talked about philosophy behind ideas and concepts. We have looked at uh, conferences and retreats. We've talked about church camp. And today we just want to share a practical episode, something that maybe you can apply to your situation as you prepare for your lessons or your messages, uh, depending on how big your group is. You know, if you have a group of two, you're probably not going to stand in front of them and preach, but you might. And so you may have a group of 50. I don't know where you're at in that, but we just want to talk very practically to you about those things. You know, one of the places where I learned to speak to groups and learn about expository preaching and just a whole bunch of other good Bible stuff was at Central Baptist College in Conway. I'm a 1995 graduate, so that's a few years before some of you guys were, well, maybe even a lot. But I had a great experience there, and I'd encourage you to check it out. If you have a student who is in that place where they're trying to figure out what's next in their educational journey, reach out, cbc.edu. They care about students, and they care about students enough that they drove two and a half hours up last night from the college to Summers Missionary Baptist Church in Summers, Arkansas, Uh, to share with us at our See You After the Poll uh, rally. And it was just a chance for the singers to come, share some music, worship with us, and then to also share the word. And so I appreciate uh, Duffy Guyton, who is the director of church relations. He was up and he brought the students, which includes my daughter. And so that's always a great thing to get to see her and hear her sing. Uh, But just love the, the college because they care. They care about the students. In fact, they've instituted a new program for BMA students. So I know that's some of our listeners are part of BMA churches. And so you want to check out what they've got for you, BMA Promise. And you can find that at cbc.edu. Well, Chris, yesterday, as we record this, was see you after the poll, if you had one of those events, or just see you at the poll. And so what does See You at the Pole look like at Garrett Memorial Christian Academy? Is that what you guys call yourself? No, no, we're not an academy. I don't know what the difference is, but we don't, we're not an academy. We're a school. Oh, okay. There so, you go. No, I really <laughs> – academy, academy sounds really cool. It does. Uh, I'm sure there's probably some kind of difference that I should know, but I don't know. But no, we are Garrett Memorial Christian School. Uh, yeah, see at the pole is, man, it's a fun, it's a fun morning. Uh, it's an early morning. So, 
we have donuts and we have milk and orange juice and all that kind of stuff. But I know that's not what you're asking. Uh, we have, I mean, we, we just have what it is. We, we have our students who want to show up early, gather around uh, our flagpole, and we, we pray for our school. We pray for one another. We pray for our country. Uh, and we oftentimes break up into um, smaller groups and let let those groups pray uh, together. Our student council, uh, they they lead that, uh, lead out in that. They plan it and promote it and do all of those sort of things. And so it's a it's a it's a a, a day that we look forward to every year. And uh, I'm thankful that we get to be a part of it. I would encourage you to. Uh, check out, see you at the poll. If you've never had your students get involved with that, or maybe your school has never done anything like it, check them out. They're online. Uh, In fact, if you go back several episodes, um, you will find an interview we had with, I believe his name is Doug Clark, who's involved with that greatly. And so we will try to put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, But just like I said, check them out. Um, It's a way for your students to actively show that they care about their campus and their classmates in this idea of praying for them and for the year to come. Well, again, we want to be very practical today. We want to talk about um, that series of steps that it takes to prepare for your messages and what that maybe looks like on for your your main teaching time. I almost said for, for your Wednesday nights, but not everybody meets on Wednesday nights. Some people meet on Thursdays, Tuesdays, Sunday nights. Uh, Some of our listeners may even have a youth worship time during the main worship. And um, our recommendation has always been don't do that. Put your students in with the the church members and the church as a whole. You want it to be intergenerational. You want moms and dads and grandparents and Christian seniors to all interact with your students. Uh, That's important. And we We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, in the future, and we may have talked about it in the past, but intergenerational worship is just so very important. Uh, but what we're talking about is is that main teaching time, that main preaching time. Um, I just got back from the For the Church Conference at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and the pre-conference was the Student Pastor Summit, and our focus there was expository preaching. You may think, well, I'm not a preacher. And, well, okay, that's all right, Uh, but understand that uh, the process of preparation remains much the same. As you spend time with the passage and then you share that with your class, with your group, um, you just want to be very biblical in that that sequence of events. And so, Chris, we want to start. um, Just tell us a little bit about what your Wednesday night, because I think that's when you guys meet. What is your Wednesday night time together look like? Let's start with there. Yeah. Uh, so we start, I uh, open the doors at 530 and we typically get started with our uh, a time of worship around 605, 610. Uh, and this year we uh, have installed a new component. I think we talked about this a few episodes ago, but we have installed uh, prayer groups. So that's where our kids, they I've, I've got them in uh, groups of three to four that are uh, age well, they're not always age appropriate because we've kind of got a a mixed group uh, in that sense, and we're not super large, but they're gender appropriate. So girls are with girls, guys are with guys, and we spend about five minutes. I give them about five minutes to check in with one another, pray for one another. I give them a prayer sheet that they can put requests on, and then they hand back to me, 
And uh, that's been really good. And then we go into our time of, of worship and we typically sing one, maybe two songs. And then I preach. And after that, the kids hang out a little bit longer and just have fun with one another and enjoy time together. And then they go home. So that's, that's a kind of a quick rundown of Wednesday night for us. I know when I was at Temple, it, it was similar to that. Um, we would gather together six six thirties when we would start, but we had a time of games. And I'm not a big fan of games. I like I like them, but I'm just not very good at them. And it became a little too focused on that. And so uh, we made a shift away from those things. And um, then we'd have a, a time that I we would worship together. Then I would speak, and then we would break up into small groups where they might pray together ask some questions about the topic, that sort of thing, trying to drive home whatever that main point was. And so really pretty much the same sort of thing, just a sequence of we're going to worship, we're going to hear from the word. Um, And so today we just want to spend some time looking at the preparation for speaking to your students. Again, if it is a teaching time where you're sitting around a table, okay, or if you're standing behind your makeshift pulpit, maybe it's a music stand or you're really fancy and you have a table up on your stage. I, I don't know what that looks like. Uh, but Chris, where do you start in your preparation just as, as a whole? Like where do you decide and who, who helps you decide or is it just you on what you're going to be speaking about in the coming months or maybe for that school year? What's that look like for you? You know, I think the, the, the right preacher answer should be prayer, right? Yeah, <laughs> so that should be the right prayer. preacher answer, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I think, you know, and I, so I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but s- certainly, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking the Lord and, and what, what the needs of the group are. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to pay attention to just different issues that are not just in one person's life, but what's, what's going on uh, collectively, and that, that certainly shapes where I want to take them through God's word or in God's word. Sometimes that might look like spending three weeks on a particular topic. Uh, most of the time, what it does is it leads me to examine and go through a particular book of the Bible. Like for instance, I'll, I'll, this, this year we've started in the book of Galatians. That's where we are. I, I sense that we needed to, take a step back and take a real good look at the true gospel, what the gospel is, uh, and, and what that should, what, what, what we should hold on to, but also what we are to, uh, be sharing and propagating, uh, and, and to know that these, the details of the gospel matter, uh, in a lot of different ways. And so that, that kind of tends to, that's, that's where we are with, with us right now. But that's that's essentially how I go about thinking through that. It is me, uh, but I oftentimes will bounce ideas off of other people as well, just to make sure. Like I have adult leaders, and so I'll, I'll ask them, "Hey, I'm I'm kind of sensing this. What do you see? You know, or am I am I the only one seeing this?" And and I try to get some input that way. How far out do you typically plan? You know, I plan. You know, usually at least three years out. <laughs> totally joking, totally joking, man. If if there's anybody out there that I just felt like I was getting a little too serious right there, so I yeah. needed to I needed to throw some comic relief in there. 
No, I mean, honestly, when it comes to a school year, I'm starting to really hone in or trying to hone in on where we want to go by midsummer. I'd love to say that, yeah, I'd love to say that it was planned all at the beginning of the year. Um, and I'm certainly one of those that believes in planning. I believe that, you know, the Holy Spirit can and does move however he wants. He can move spontaneously and I leave room for that. That's kind of a scary word. So please don't read too much into what I just said, guys. Uh, if you're out there, and you're like, man, Chris used the word spontaneous and spirit in the same sentence. Um, just maybe I shouldn't have said that, but hey, I do. I believe I believe that the Holy Spirit, he can do whatever he wants. He but I also he believe that he he should be guiding my planning as well. And so there's a lot of comfort and peace that come in knowing that, OK, if I am seeking the Lord, I'm submitting to his lordship and uh, and being guided by his spirit in the planning process. That gives me a lot of comfort and confidence as we go through the school year to know that, like, I'll be honest already, like as I started planning through Galatians um, before, you know, this week, like just the, the events of this week alone just made sense with what I was already planning to preach last mm. night. And, and that just, that's not something that I did. <laughs> that's something right. that the Lord does. So yeah. don't be afraid to plan. Um, but I, but I don't plan a year in advance. Uh, normally I'm, I'm about three months out, two months out, something like that is how I operate. As you said, there's a lot of value in that planning and then understanding that the Holy Spirit is there in that planning process. And so, well, what about the weekly turn of events? You know, Mm -hmm. what, what happens? When do you begin your process? Let's say you've, you figured out, okay, I'm going to be working through the book of Galatians, when do you start preparing for the next midweek study that you're going to be doing with your students? You know, it's a great question. I think everybody's a little different when it comes to their sermon prep. So just kind of take that to begin with. And also for all of you listening out there, if you're a, a youth pastor, youth worker, and your task is to to bring the word every single week uh, for the most part, just know that the Wednesday to Wednesday schedule, which is when most churches have their youth group, not everybody, as you've already right. noted, Dan, but most churches are that way. Uh, the Wednesday to Wednesday schedule is is difficult. It's a difficult one to kind of plan. You know, personally speaking, if if I'm preaching at, to our church on a Sunday, I I like the Monday through Friday schedule a lot better than I do right. preparing the Wednesday through Wednesday schedule. Why? Because one, there's a weekend in between Wednesdays. Uh, and I don't, you know, typically I'm focused on other things Saturday and Sunday. So I say all that to say, ideally, I would love to start sermon prep by um, by Friday of the previous week and then and then carry that on Monday and Tuesday and then do any kind of final touch ups that I need to do on Wednesday. Uh, that's ideal. But we also know that ministry oftentimes isn't. <laughs> Uh, meeting our ideal schedule. So, but that, that is what I, I try to, I try to go for, but a lot of times it, it might not start till Monday, just to be honest with you. It, it might, as far as just like the prep and that's where knowing that I'm going through Galatians is, is really helpful when I'm re, when I'm going through a text. So in other words, I'm not having to start Monday cold thinking, right, okay, right. what in the world am I going to talk about Wednesday? I've already, I already know ultimately where I'm going the, the starting point is just getting into the word and studying the, the next text or paragraph that's coming up. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know that um, there was a period where I, I taught a lot of topical messages, which have their place. They're valuable. Uh, but the problem was you'd finish one and then you're like, okay, what's next? And then maybe there's a whole day trying to figure out what am I going to do for this next week? Mm-hmm. And so if you'll take some time in advance, maybe maybe you just set aside a week saying, hey, I'm going to pray about where we're headed. Even if you're using topical messages, going with this idea of, okay, here's going to be my, my pattern for uh, the fall. Here's what we're looking at. Um, but the great thing, again, about going expository and verse by verse is that your next passage is right there for you. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> behold, boom, we're yeah. ready for whatever's next. And then you can hop into that study process. Yeah. Hey, and let me insert something right there, Dan, because I think you, you make a great point. You know, oftentimes within this conversation, there's a, there's a real friction point between topical sermons and what you just said, expositional preaching, expositional sermons. And, and I think we know maybe why that is, but in case somebody's wondering like, okay, why, why is, why are we even talking about there being friction? I, I think that it's just important to know one, I'll say this. I don't have a problem with topical sermons. I really don't. What I have a problem with is picking a topic just randomly week after week after week after week. Yeah. So because what ends up happening in that pattern, because that does become a pattern, is we end up, one, just going to the topics that we personally are comfortable with or that we are maybe just wanting to address. And so that leads to complacency, but it also leads to a really dangerous spot where we begin talking about stuff that we probably shouldn't talk about uh, to a particular group. And we do so in an unprepared, really unprepared way. Um, so I have a problem. I have a problem there. But when it comes to topical sermons, I believe that there is such a thing as an expositional topical sermon. Yes. So, yes. so in other words, like I, I've already kind of looked out into the upcoming year and I know that there are certain topics that that I want to address and they might be you know packaged in like a little three week series where I'm going to just spend three weeks in a row and I'm going to address that particular topic but before I get there I already know what text I'm going to be taking and I know what text I'm going to be preaching so in other words the topic isn't just me talking about whatever that topic is it's me diving into the word and me expositing the God's word on this particular topic for a particular people, this case kids in that moment. So I know that I didn't need to say all that, maybe, maybe uh, in this conversation, but I wanted to, because I, I don't think that we need to have this idea that, that all topical sermons are bad and that we should avoid them. And that, and I also don't want people to think that an expositional sermon is just simply, uh, I've got to preach one verse this week and then the next verse next week and then the right, next verse right. the next week. So that's a whole nother conversation, but I just wanted to say, that when it comes to my planning, when it comes to my preaching, I do preach expositionally, but I'm not afraid to plan topically as well. Well, for instance, and so to help help our listeners understand this a little bit, if I'm going to pick the topic of evangelism, and I want to use Matthew 28, 19 <clears throat> and 20, I can preach that, an expositional sermon from that passage that is about evangelism. And so um, I think that's that's a great point, Chris, as we look at this, as we try to think about this preparation. Uh, just 
I think what what you're hearing and what I'm hearing is this need to be intentional and to plan some things out um, so that we're giving our students the whole breadth of uh, God's word in, yeah. in that process. Absolutely. Well, Chris, so you picked out what you're going to preach. You start the process on those days. What does preparation look like for you from that point until you preach or yeah. share your message? Yeah, you know, I get a lot of encouragement from <clears throat> pastors who are bivocational, uh, and I, I have a feeling that I'm, I'm a lot of people listening to this probably fit that category. I'm kind of a special <laughs> kind of bivocational. I, I do work two jobs. I'm part time for our church and I'm part time for our school. I just have the luxury of it all being underneath the same roof. But a lot of, I mean, true bivocational. What I would say there, I mean, people are working forty hours a week in a in a in a job in a factory or in a you know, business. Uh, and then on top of that, they are preparing sermons. And so I find a lot of encouragement talking with those guys and, and have over the years. And I start there just simply because one of the things that I've learned from them is this thought of just getting God's word in me on a regular basis. So when it comes to devotions, when it comes to my time in the word, I personally am, am reading through the text that I'm going to be preaching. Now, I'm not preparing sermons in my devotional time, but I'm reading God's word. I want to get God's word in me. I'm listening to God's word. So, for instance, let's just say, you know, next week I'm going to be preaching uh, Galatians chapter two uh, and the, the really the first, um, you know, 14 or so verses of that. So what I'm doing is I'm not just reading those verses, but I'm going to be reading Galatians. Right. More. I've already read Galatians, but I'm going to be reading it more. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to get it in me. I want to know what happened before. I want to know where Paul is is, is going afterwards. I'm, and I'm just going to be reading it. I, I want to get it in me. And and that's what I've learned from some some of our bivocational pastors is, you know, during the, the course of a 40-hour work week, they might not be sitting down for five hours at a time writing a sermon, but they can have their earbuds in listening to God's Word. They can take moments at lunch and and read God's word. They can take their their times of devotion and, and just get God's word in you. So I, I, that's where I start, Dan, is because um, if the word of God isn't in me, then the word of God's really not going to come out of me on, right. on Wednesday night. So that's that's where I start is just by reading the text over and over and over again. And I'll do it maybe in some different uh, English translations as well. I'll read the ESV and then I might read the KJV and then I might read the NLT. And, and as I just read the different translations, all of a sudden I'm starting to pick up different words, right? Uh, so I might see that in, um, in, in like Galatians chapter one, uh, Paul in giving his testimony, he says that it uh, pleased it was pleasing to the Lord to reveal his son to me. That was Paul's words. It was pleasing to the Lord to reveal his son to me. But then I might read in, in another translation where it says that it delighted the Lord to uh, reveal his son to me. And all of a sudden, as I'm at just because I'm just reading the text, but I'm reading it in different translations, then what, what's going on is I'm beginning to pick up different words. And it begins to ping in my brain. Huh, I wonder why they used a different word there. And then when I do sit down to study, then I'm I, that's kind of where I go. I immediately sit down and I go to that word and I say, okay, what is the 
what is the original word there? I might open my my lexicon, you know, and I might look and and kind of do a little study word study there. Okay, oh wow, this word, this is this is a you know kind of carries the same sense of when God looked at Jesus and says, "I am well pleased with my son," you know, and and then that begins to give me more preaching ideas as I begin to to think about it. So starting point is I get the word in me. I try to get the word in me more and more. Um, daily. And, and so a lot of times that's what Friday looks like, Dan, is I'm just, I'm going to be just reading. I'm going to be reading the text and um, I'm not really writing a whole lot down other than maybe just little notations here and there. One of the things that I've done that's very similar to that, and I, I'm not sure who suggested it, but man, I, it made a big difference is that if I know I'm working my way through a book or I have a message over a specific passage that's coming up, I will print out those those verses on mm-hmm. a just a, a piece of paper and then have that on my desk. And then I'll pick yeah. it up, look at it, make a note on it if I need to. It's just there in front of me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know, it's just the same idea. Just read the word, get it into you, uh, look at different translations, however that's going to help you. So yeah. what's next, Chris? What do you do after that? Yeah, I think what's next is to convince yourself that you're not done. Um, so, so in other words, like you can read, you can read the text, and you can really feel like, okay, you're getting it. You're you're starting to understand the context. You start to see, okay, this is what's what Paul is saying, and then you can start, you know, having this false sense. Okay, I'm ready to preach this. Now, certainly, you you maybe could you could go and start pointing out, you know, different things and and all this kind of stuff. But I, I believe that you're not quite there yet. You know, there's, there's more to it. So I, I, for me personally, as I've moved from just getting the word into me, now I start thinking about explaining it. Right. So I I try, I try to think, okay, here's this block of text. How do I explain that? So I've studied it. I I might do some word studies. I might, again, all of that, all kind of within that is, I just use this word context. I'm trying to get the context of what Paul is who he's writing to, why he's writing, what he's writing against or toward, and all this sort of thing. Um, and I, you know, at that point, I might grab a commentary and read and see what other people are thinking. Most of the time, though, I don't read commentaries until afterward. Um, and I'll, I'll say something else about that here in a moment. But at that, the next point is okay. Now I'm trying to explain it. I'm trying to get to the bottom of what Paul or whoever the author is. I keep saying Paul because I'm in Galatians, but whomever the authors, I'm trying to get to the bottom of what they're trying to get across. And then I'm trying to explain it. So that's where I start writing some things. Um, for me personally, I start writing down thoughts. Okay. This is, this is what he's saying here. Um, and, and then kind of what's coming in that is, um, just, just different statements that maybe I want to make as I begin to, before I, before I, you know, write the sermon, all this kind of stuff, I start getting sermon thoughts. I try to, you know, um, in my explanation, again, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but there's an outline that begins to form. You know, I'm trying to, I'm looking at the text of, of Paul and I'm, I'm outlining, okay, here's what he says here. Here's what he does here. You know, and, I, and that usually works its way down into, you know, maybe one point or two points or things like that. I could probably go a little bit more detailed in terms of just what that process looks like, but I'll just leave it simple that I, I let my outline reflect whatever the text is. So in other words, I'm not going to try to do really any more than what the text allows me. If the text has two main points, then my sermon is going to have two main points and my outline therefore will have two main points. 
And so I'm trying to explain it in, in that sense. Um, the second thing that I do is I then I try to apply it, right? right. I'm already starting right. to apply it into my life, but then I'm starting to, to work at applying it to uh, the, the people that I'll be speaking to, in this case, the teenagers. This is something that we we oftentimes, if I'm be real honest, Dan, like I'm tempted to just skim over or I'm tempted to just think, yeah, you know what, that, that'll that be easy application in the moment of the sermon. And we got to be really careful with that <laughs> because <laughs> we can, we I'm, I've made myself look silly before and I still can. Uh, sometimes we think, okay, I've read the word, I've got it in me. Um, I've, I've explained it. I've even made an outline. Boy, I'm ready to preach it. And maybe at that point it is preachable, but I would still say you're not quite ready. You're not there yet. Why? Because I think the application of God's word, in other words, how does it stick? How should it stick to our life uh, right now? That needs to require some thought. Uh, it really does. And and we might start writing down. I start writing down some things. Okay, well, I, I can see how this would, you know, this would apply in, you know, a 13 year old's life right now. Um, I can see how this might apply this way in uh, in my senior's life at this point. You know, so start thinking with application as you're preparing the sermon, start thinking about the people that God has put under your care and think about how this might apply just in their life right now. Um, and the, the third thing that I try to do in terms of just the, the full spectrum of things is then I want to make it clear. I really do. So I want to explain it. I want to apply it. But then I want to make it clear to them. This is where I, I start thinking about how I'm going to present this to the kids or to mm. the audience. Um, and so, in other words, I don't want to just take up there a rigid outline with my academic study. You know, I don't want to just right. say, hey, guys, look at this word. Here's the Greek of that word. Here's what that means. All right, let's move on to the next point. Here's this and here's that. Here's what Paul does. I don't want it to be. I want to I want to preach it. Preaching um, involves some a, a version, a, a type of style. Right. We could get into that big word homiletics, you know, yeah. uh, the, all of that. But but when I think about that, I just think I want to make it clear. How am I going to make it clear to my audience. And one of the the helpful things that has stuck with me over the years is actually something that uh, was written by Andy Stanley back in the day. It's the the me, you, God, you, we. Um, a lot of people may have heard that before. Now, we're not going to get into all the things that people might think about Andy Stanley, but as far as communicating, the guy's an incredible communicator. And he wrote a book called Communicating for a Change. And um, this has helped me when it comes to making my message clear. And so the idea of me, you, God, you, we helps me start thinking about how I want to present what I have studied, what I have explained, what I have sought to apply in a in a clear way. So I start like, like just real quick, it starts with me. That's kind of intro. So it might be something like how this has affected me. I might tell a personal story. In other words, I might just be, uh, that's the intro. I'm, I'm kind of grabbing attention, but then I quickly kind of move into you. Like, Hey, this is something that you deal with. This is something that you all know about. This is something that you have experienced. You know, it might be something like that. So that's just kind of the, the, the hook, so to speak. But then the, the, the God portion, that's where we go into the word. Like, what does God have to say about this? Like, I've had this experience. You've had this experience. We, we all feel this. But what does God say? 
what does God's word say? And that's where we go straight into the text. And I start moving into the explanation of and the context and all of that. That's the sermon, the body of the sermon. And then when I come out of that, it's you again, right? Okay, well, we've learned all this, but what does this have to do with you? What does this have to do with you right now? Now I'm moving into application, right? Now I'm moving into what I've already sought to apply. And then ultimately, you know, what are we as a collective whole, what are we to make of this? How, how should this affect how we live in Hope, Arkansas tomorrow and the next day and into the next week, that sort of thing? So if nothing less, that little structure, what it does is it helps me just move from top to bottom. It helps me have a beginning, a middle, and an end to what I'm trying to accomplish on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. Well, the great thing about that sequence is that even if you aren't a preacher, and I know that we have some that are listening to this podcast, it kind of fit into that um, category. Maybe you're a volunteer, uh, maybe you're not the primary teacher, or maybe you feel like you're a teacher and not a preacher. That, that communication structure still works very well if, as you shape your lesson, shape your message in that process. Um well, Chris, what else do you have for us in this this area? You know, I've talked a lot, and, and I, I don't want to become <clears throat> that uh, that teacher from Charlie Brown that just sounds wah, 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 wah. <laughs> so I'm not going to say a whole lot else, but I do want to give two two resources that have been helpful to me, and, and right. they're really what I would call primers to uh, some of the things that we're talking about. But I've just they're, – they're good short reads, and, and they're actually really good to – uh, read with someone, maybe even a student leader. <clears throat> the first one is a book called Eight Hours or Less by Ryan Hughley. Uh, I think I've actually mentioned this book before. I think so. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know Ryan. I know a little bit about him as I was researching the book. This, but I read this book probably two or three years ago. And it's one that I just really like because it's simple and it's straightforward when it comes to what we're talking about, how to prepare a sermon. And so Ryan is a, uh, or at least he was, a, a church planter. He may still be. I'm not sure. So just know that. But I like the book. And he talks about um, as a church planter, you don't have just a, you know 40 hours a week in an office. You're spending maybe right. an hour in this coffee shop and then 30 minutes in that coffee shop. And so he's think, he's, he wants to give people some encouraging words on how to prepare faithful sermons uh, in a in a faster way, so not in a rushed way, but just in eight hours or less. And, right. uh, so the book title alone kind of is intriguing, and it makes you want to say, "Oh, I wonder about this." But it's it's a really good read. The second book that I want to recommend is uh, a book by Nate Picklewicks, and it is called "How to Eat Your Bible." Uh, and this is one that I actually read through with several of our students a, a couple years ago, and we we enjoyed it, but. Um, when it comes to reading your Bible, uh, how, how do we do that and how do we do that faithfully? And so I found a lot of encouragement and benefit uh, when I talk about getting the word in me. Uh, and when I think about kind of other things that I've said today, like that's a book that is, is really good in helping you think through context and um, application and, and all sorts of things. So uh, eight hours or less and then how to eat your Bible are two books that I would recommend today. Well, we'll be sure to put a link to those in the show notes. And um, hopefully today has been helpful to you as you try to teach and to preach to students on a weekly basis. 
it can be it can be daunting. It can it is it's one of those things that doesn't change. I mean, you may take a break during the summer and during winter time, in between Christmas and the New Year, uh, but for the most part something's got to be taught to these students <laughs> and you've got to make sure that you're ready and you want to do a good job, a job that, that honors God um, in his word. And so we just want to encourage you, keep doing that, keep serving, keep loving your students. And we do all these things because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.